All right, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Terry Lynn here with Travis Marziani. Today we kind of got a book review mashup. So Travis uh, brought a book to my attention called Primal Branding, Creating Zealots uh, for Your Brand, Your Company, and Your Future. And I kind of looked at some book reviews. I've not read this yet, but Travis has, so he's going to kind of do most of the talking. But as I looked through the reviews, I noticed it was really similar to Seth Godin's All Marketers Are Liars. So we're kind of just doing a mashup. Uh, of both books today, just kind of see uh, if there's anything that you can get value out of. So, Travis, what's up? Uh, a lot of cool things. So, I'm officially in Vegas. I, I haven't heard from any of the listeners. If anyone's in Vegas, let me know. I'm trying to get some meetups going. I'm scheduling something um, pretty much every week while I'm here for different meetups. So, if you're in Vegas, let me know. But one of the things I'm doing while I'm working here is working on the, my YouTube channel, which by the time you hear this, it should be live. I'm going to release a, a ton of videos this Sunday, the same day that this podcast is released. And then Monday, I'm going to release an e-commerce news episode. So the, the schedule is going to be every Monday, I release e-commerce news. That way you guys can kind of stay ahead of the game. Uh, for instance, when new advertising platforms come out, like Facebook lead ads or when AdWords face first came out and you know things like that, it was the the quick movers, the people that got there at the beginning that got the advantage. So that's the point of e-commerce news. And then I'm gonna release some other videos. Tuesdays I'll do like tips and tricks, and Wednesdays Q and A, some other things like that. But I'm really trying to hit the YouTube hard because I believe there's a lot of value that can be added to the e-commerce world through YouTube, and I don't think anyone's doing it properly. So I'm gonna be that guy. Cool. So can I get your autograph sooner? Um, no, it's uh, usually ten to fifteen dollars. I'm starting off low. High price fund, man. You use like a discount code. You can, you can, yeah, you up. can use a discount code. Actually, we, eventually, when I see you again, I want to do like a, a a video together. But who knows when that's gonna be? Who knows when that's gonna be? Yeah, exactly. All right. So for me, uh, I guess it's Tet Holiday slash Chinese New Year here in Vietnam. Uh, kind of the same holiday, but they call it something different here. And so everything's closed, but I boomeranged a bunch of emails to suppliers. So I don't know if you guys know this tool called Boomerang. Another one's called Streak. Uh, it can let you schedule emails in Gmail to be replied on a certain date or time. So, you know, if you don't want to send emails a bunch of days, you want them to go out at a certain time, like say it's a holiday, you can pre-schedule them to go out uh, once everyone's back in the office and things like that. So it's a very cool tool uh, if you ever need something like that. All right, so today we're going to talk about primal branding, uh, creating zealous for your brand, your company, and your future. All right, so you want to start off the book with a quick intro here? All right, so th this book I actually found while I was doing research for my YouTube channel because uh, there's a person that talks all about how to make YouTube channels, and he said he recommends this book for everyone. And he said, I mean, obviously he was talking about for people that have YouTube channels, but really any kind of business it's very applicable for. And the whole point is to kind of create zealots, create people that just love your brand. And he came up, he did a lot of research. And if you do read the book, it's 90% case studies. And I think only the first you know, 10% or so is actually the points we're going to talk about here. But so he looked at all these different brands, brands like Apple, Starbucks, you name it, uh, Nike, any big brand and tried to figure out what do they have in common? What makes them so people just love the brand? And he came up with seven points. The, the seven points are creation story, the creed, the icons, the rituals, the pagans, the sacred words, and the leader. And we'll talk about each one of these different seven ones. But he said that a lot of times when brands aren't finding success, it's because they're missing one of these elements. And pretty much if you follow all seven of these elements, you're going to get followers. Um, you know, you can still have success even if you only have a few of these elements within your brand, but it's almost guaranteed if you add all seven of them in there. But how many of them actually had good products? I kind of want to be a devil's advocate here. Like 
the ones he researched like do they all are they all decent companies or like like could you have these seven and still fail because you don't have a good product like that's a very possible scenario too right Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know enough. Supposedly, this is what this guy does like for a living. He tries to figure it out. I my my counter argument would be how many people have great products, but don't follow these rules. And he gives examples in the book of that. Yeah. And I mean, I think the product, don't get me wrong, you need to have a decent product. But uh, more important, I think I think this stuff's just as important. I mean, it's kind of like the engineer mindset versus the the marketer mindset marketers make more money for a reason. I mean, engineers have better products, but they don't know how to explain those values to people. Um, so that's where I think this comes in. Well, well, I guess along that point, McDonald's doesn't make the best hamburger, but you know, they, they sell a billion every year. So yeah, I don't, I don't think Nike, oh, so Nike doesn't make the best shoe. I, I mean, some people would argue that they do, but like in the book, they talked about at least during the time that this was taking place, they interviewed athletes and athletes said, well, you know, uh, other shoes might fit better or be more functionally better, but I feel cooler in a pair of Nikes. I, I you know, it's debatable whether Apple has better products or not. Uh, the iPhone, there's definitely been times where the iPhone's not a better product. The iPod, was not a better product. I always had the knockoff versions. I mean, I do like Macs, you know, don't get me wrong, but whether or not they're the better product isn't as important as how cool people feel when they use yeah, well, them. Well, the thing is best in the world is actually a subjective thing, right? Like yeah. if it was snowing right now, a Lamborghini is not the best car in the world. It's a tractor with chains on the wheels that can get you around, right? So it's like, if you look at like buying phones, like people have different budgets, different needs, and you know, what's best for you may not be the best for me too, so. It's also how it makes you feel. I mean, if, for instance, with an Apple laptop, some people, when they buy that, they have a, a feeling of like, this is an awesome laptop. I'm going to feel proud of it. Other people, if they had that same laptop, they'd be like, oh, that's disgusting. I want like an Alienware gaming computer. You know, it really depends on what story you tell yourself, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Because Apple computers aren't that great for gaming. They're not that great. You just get a better value machine on a Windows, but that's side tangent. I, I, I agree, but, but I didn't want to start a whole debate here. <laughs> All right. So let's get into creation story then. Well, what's the deal with this one? So creation story is kind of how you came up with the product. And he goes over a bunch of different examples. For instance, and some of them might not be quite as well known as they once were, but you've probably heard the creation story of Nike. You know, it was a guy that had a waffle iron and put it on some shoes. You've probably heard the creation story of a lot of different brands. Uh, I mean, Steve Jobs in the garage starting up Mac. There's a lot of these, and so it kind of brings you in. It kind of brings you in and makes you feel like you're a part of this story. Like you're like it's not just some big juggernaut. I mean, even Starbucks has a creation story. It was just originally up in Seattle. It was like a one, you know, shop kind of place, and then it grew supposedly because it had the best coffee. Though that's debatable now. It probably doesn't anymore. So why is creation story point number one? Well, it's really, I mean, it's the beginning of your company. I mean, it's where you're able to really connect. So for instance, with my company, the creation story would be my mom uh, making custom dance clothing, looking for something better. So that's a, that's a common thing, actually. Like there's one of the best creation stories is I was a whatever person. I was a person looking for this product and I couldn't find it. So I made it better. So for my mom, it was, I was a dance clothing designer and people kept coming to me with these problems and I wanted to fix it. I wanted to do something better. So it's something that people are able to relate to basically. But it's not like customer focused, right? It's like about you from what I'm hearing. It, it is, but at the same time, it's, it's like a, a reflection. It's like a mirror. So if you can tell your story like, hey, I was looking for this thing 
um, or if the, the customer can see themselves in your position or you know, even if they can identify with the, the cult that you're a part of, the brand that you're trying to sell, it's very powerful. Yeah, so I guess on the other side with all marketers are liars, like in that book he's saying the first thing is actually worldview. It's similar to story, but it's not about who you are. It's kind of what the customer believes and their bias. For example, like so if you say like vegan people, because we had this conversation offline, it's like they don't want to do anything with the animal kingdom. Like they don't want to use honey, eggs, uh, or anything too. So uh, it's kind of like starting from what people believe and then figuring out a story from there. But I guess it's just a different way of looking at it too. Yeah, I, I think the creation story is all about bringing someone in, making them aware of how you started, kind of feeling like they were there at the beginning. Yeah, I think as long as it aligns with what they believe too, like say, you know, we're digital nomads, like, you know, I used to work at an office, blah, 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 and then I quit my job. Like, along, as long as the creation story follows that, I think that's a good way to go. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, so number two, the creed. All right, so the, the creed is kind of like your your motto, you know, so for instance with Apple, it's think different. So IBM, I didn't realize this uh, at the time, but IBM originally had the motto, I think it was just think, and then... Apple wanted to pit themselves against IBM as kind of the opposite, like the, the cooler company. So they said, think different. Nike, just do it. It's like, what is your tagline? What makes it so people can identify uh, with you? And for instance, for my YouTube channel, I was thinking a lot about this and I'm like, create freedom through e-commerce because that's something that everybody can grab a hold of and say, I want more. Like who doesn't want more freedom in their life? But to me, with the, the YouTube channel, it's not just about creating freedom. It's specifically through e-commerce. Like, look, if you want to create freedom by doing yoga in China, this YouTube channel is not for you. So the creed is something that people can get behind and, you know, almost think about it as like something that you could put on a shirt that people are like, yeah, this is what I'm trying to do. So it's like seeing, it's like, what am I, what am I trying to think of? It's like, you know, those videos people made a couple years ago called like shit people say, like shit girls say, or like shit yogis it's kind of like stuff like that right like tagline that identifies with people and things like that or yeah yeah i mean kind of i mean it, it's almost like uh it, it should sum up the company as something that people a tagline i mean it's it's pretty pretty you know easy to uh explain like that so, so i guess how is this different from your usp then does he talk about this in the book uh, no, no. I mean, it, it could, should involve your USP, but it should be a little bit like catchier, a little bit more. But it doesn't just have to be. So, for instance, think different. Uh, that's Apple's USP. That doesn't really, or that's Apple's creed. It doesn't really say much about the products specifically, but it, it's like the general feel. It's like part of the or the community. It's saying, hey, we think different. It doesn't mean that the computers think different. Just do it with Nike. It's the feel of the company. It's trying to say like, hey, we're, we're an athletic brand. Just do it. Just work hard. Just get things done. Doesn't mean that the shoes are just going to do it for you. Doesn't mean that anything is USP, USP related to Nike. It's just that's like the, the motto people, your customers can get behind. Yeah, I feel like this stuff becomes very buzzwordy if you're like trying to think of a creed. Like it becomes super like abstract or you try to come up with one especially if you're like a small company but maybe that's just me well i mean you it doesn't have to necessarily be but uh, look a lot of them it, it should be something kind of emotional it should be something that people are like yes i can stand behind that something that you'd you know put uh on a flag and fly above you and say yes this is rep this represents me this this line 
Yeah. All right, cool. I can find that. Then how about next one? Uh, the icons. So the icons are. They could be a couple different things. They're like the the logos, the products, basically the images that people identify with it. So. For instance, with Apple, obviously you have the little Apple symbol, but you also have um, the computer itself, the design of an iPhone, that Steve Jobs is even an icon. When you see Steve Jobs, you instantly think Apple. So you need some kind of uh, icon. And the reason is, once again, like as humans, we need some kind of visual representation of a brand. So if you're, if you're Nike, again, they have the swoosh. McDonald's has the golden arches. It's something that instantaneously, when someone sees it, they think of some of you. They think of your company, uh, and which is very important because we need that kind of abstract logo or picture or whatever image that, as humans, we can stand behind. Well, I think a lot of it comes down to like subtle design things. Like if it's a website specifically, we're talking about, we're talking like typography, like your spacing, your photography, you know, the way your text is written, things like that. Like very subtle things that kind of communicate a message that probably. You know, I think most people put too much weight into an icon than just me because I think an icon is like, you know, like an icon, like a Nike Swoosh didn't mean anything until they built the whole brand around it of like being an athlete and the whole story of like sponsoring Jordans and things like that too, right? Because like, they bought it for like, what, $200 in the... Yeah, I, like I, that? I agree. But I mean, imagine if every time you saw Nike, uh, the word Nike was a different face, uh, like uh, font type. If every time you saw Nike, it had like a different logo on it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't mean anything. So you're right. But at the same time, you need, you need a logo. You so, need, so you're talking about a consistency issue. Yes. You need something like, so for, for instance, maybe your, maybe your podcast is a certain style. Like, um, you know, John Lee Dumas, Dumas has like, are you ready to ignite? That is an icon of his. That is something when you hear, are you ready to ignite? You're like, oh, it's time for John Lee Dumas. Uh, if you, things of that nature where it's just like, you see it and you're instantly able to recognize it. Maybe if you had a special type of font and spacing on your blog and every article was the same, if someone went to another blog that had the same font and spacing, they might think to themselves, oh wow, that looks a lot like the Build My Online Store blog. Then it's an icon. You know, that's it's something that makes you unique and stand out. Gotcha. Okay, cool, cool. And I guess uh, kind of the all marketers are liars side, uh, kind of he breaks down icons into attention, bias, and vernaculars. So basically he's saying, you know, you can't force people to pay attention now, so don't be a crusade marketer. Uh, a lot of people don't want to change what they believe, so you want to just sell nuts to squirrels. Don't try to convince dolphins that nuts are delicious. And so part of it is as you frame nuts, you know, like you want to use words and icons and things like that that appeal to that belief that you know they like nuts. So uh, play along with that story. All right. So number four, the rituals. So the rituals can be a lot of different things. For instance, I think when I think of rituals, I think of hotels. So the hotels, when you check in, there's a certain flow to it. There's certain things that happen. Um, maybe when you go there, you're handed a like if you're going to a nice hotel, you're handed some kind of like a welcome gift or like a welcome drink. Uh, there might be a certain smell that comes. This is actually a big part of the book they were talking about how a lot of companies are starting to make signature smells, specifically like hotels or shops. The, for instance, with Apple, you know, you walk in there and there's actually, I haven't been to an Apple store in a long time, but there's a certain thing like, you know, you have to go get your number and go to the genius bar or whatever, which is a funny, uh, a funny thing in itself. But like, for instance, another one is Starbucks. You know you're going to go up to the register. You're going to probably wait in line. Uh, part of the ritual even is paying more money than you should. You know you know that it's an expensive 
cup of coffee, then you're going to order it. You're going to go over stand. They're going to call your name and hand it to you. Not all coffee shops work like that. Some coffee shops, you sit down and they bring the coffee to you. But this ritual of overpriced coffee is Starbucks. So that's kind of what the, where the rituals are. Um, another one, a, a ritual I'm trying to create for my VIP customers is they order from us and within a day or two, we call them and say, hey, when do you need your order by? And then uh, after they get the order, we call them again and say, is everything okay? And then a month later, we send them a letter. So that even that is a ritual. It's something that people can expect. I mean, we've all had experiences where co- with companies where the first time we went in there was really good. And then the second time, wasn't quite as good because they didn't follow that same ritual. Maybe it was the the person working behind the counter didn't ask us how our day was going or whatever it was. But we, as humans, we like some level of consistency. We like some kind of yeah. ritual. So on the all marketers are liars side, he kind of phrases as experience. So uh, kind of not just, you know, from your product is also like the five senses, right? Like when you say Starbucks, you go into the store, there's a certain lighting that's consistent in all Starbucks is like the wooden chairs, you know, the brown and green kind of decor they have with the dark ceilings. Stuff like that kind of like you feel, once you walk into Starbucks, you feel that, you know, something's going on. Even like the music they play in all of them too. So like, I guess for like a store, it would be like, you know, your product pages, your web experience, uh, social accounts, like, you know, how you interact with people from the very first touch all the way to even when they unbox your product, like your product packaging, your shipping, you know, what is the unboxing experience like? If you look at like an Apple product, like when you unbox it, like it's awesome, like the white box with the Mac in it, like it feels awesome, right? It's kind of like when you get a Starbucks, you know, where you get that, maybe the holiday one, the red maroon uh, you know, cup with that uh, holder on it, the cardboard holder, like it feels awesome, right? So it's like, I think a lot of this is sounds very high level, but when you think about it, how to apply it to your store, it's like, well, you know, your ex- on-site experience and you know, your product experience and even your brand experience too. Like, how can you engage all the senses while uh, playing to someone's worldview and the story that appeals to them too? Yeah. So sorry, everyone. Um, there's a house cleaning in my house now, so I can't do anything about it. You might hear some running water, but you know, it's cool. All right. So number five, uh, the pagans. What's the deal with this one? So the pagans are, think of them as like the opposing team. So if you're a Coke fan, if you really uh, are on Co- Team Coke, Pepsi is a pagan to you. It's it's something to kind of rally against. You're like, oh, I hate those people. You know, for, um, th- there's a lot of different examples. If you're a Nike fan, then Reebok, Adidas, Puma, those are the pagans. You see someone, if you're part of Team Nike and you see someone wearing Adidas, it's like, oh, you're not an insider. Apple does this really well. You, you ever see how Apple people are pretty clicky? It's like you pull out a laptop that's an Apple laptop at a coffee shop, you'll have a little bit more uh, in common with some of the other people there. There'll be like a sense of like, okay, you belong. You pull out a Windows laptop and it's kind of like, oh, you're a pagan. You're a non-believer in our organization. But it's important that there is these these pagans because it, it humans like some competition. They like us against them mentality. I, I mean, this is a, a little off topic, but uh, I heard once that if you want to end like uh, war within the world, the only way to ever do that would be to have like an outside force that we all have to rally against. Because we do a really good job when there's an outside force against us as humans rallying together. But when there's no kind of outside force, we kind of disperse. We're a bunch of different countries fighting randomly. And it's the same thing with products. If you are Coke, it's kind of good for there to be a Pepsi because then it's like you get those people that are the hardcore, the zealots, the, the your biggest fans. Yeah, like you look at how many taxi companies 
in a city hate Uber now? Or like, you know, like zombie outbreak movies or UFO movies where the whole world kind of unites and, you know, like an Armageddon, they try to blow up the asteroid. Obviously, it's a movie, but I mean, I'm just kind of thinking of some examples off the top of my head here. But I think, I mean, there's there's parallels in history. I mean, that's happened where like tribes unite to fight an outside force. It's a fairly common thing, actually. Yeah. Like, was it the enemy of the enemy? is my friend basically yeah. type of thing and i guess like the, en- the enemy of my enemy yeah the enemy of my yeah exactly but i guess like another level is just that like there's people with different beliefs and stories in the world and like if you frame them correctly for example like like i'm gonna go back to the vegan thing like they call people that eat meat arrogant flesh eaters right so it's like that word immediately once you hear it you feel that there's a divide between two types of people that don't eat meat or eat meat or like cruelty free it's like the same thing right like it's immediately you once you hear these words it's like oh like which side do you fall upon in some ways? Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. kind of leads into the next yeah, one, the sacred words. Yep. Yeah. yep. Yeah. So this is, I think something actually everyone listening to this will be able to relate with. So have you ever been having a conversation and you just start vibing with someone and you know right away that you have similar interests? One of the reasons that happens is because they use sacred words. For instance, I might casually in a conversation drop something like, yeah, you know, my, my people, my AdWords account uh, isn't doing as well as I'd like it to do. And if the other person asks me what's AdWords, I know they're not on the inside. They're not a e-commerce person. But if they look at me and they say, oh, you know, what's, what's going on? Is, uh, is there a problem in your you know, conversions or whatever? Then I know they're an insider like that. I don't, I don't have to think about it. I just know, all right, we're on the same wavelength. I've, I've had this kind of conversations a lot. I mean, for instance, I like to talk sometimes about abstract like philosophy. And if I can have a conversation and people know a certain few buzzwords then I know the jargon that comes with it then I know all right this person's an insider into this world and we're gonna have a lot in common same thing goes with brands so I I, you know I can't think of a specific one with like Apple or Nike I'm sure Starbucks you have like tall grande all that kind of stuff if you know that those that jargon then you're an insider I I know of it, but I don't really like know exactly. Yeah, there's all these things like especially living in Vietnam. When you meet someone new, you're like, oh, what do you do? I do online marketing. It's like, well, do I just throw in like, you know, PLA stuff or email marketing, or do I just test throw something very high level and see how how much they actually understand and do it from there too? So actually, another example is that uh, I had an old roommate last year. Uh, her brother visited, and he was like ex-military guy. And then we were just talking about like random stuff, right? And basically, I, I brought up this word called the uh, OODA loop. Did you ever hear about this? No. Yeah, so basically, it's like a military term on how fast you can make your decisions. Uh, basically, it's called observe, orient, decide, and act. And then he's like, you know, he's like, oh, you know, OODA loop? And then he like gave me a fist bump. Because like, you know, it's kind of like in his jargon. He's like, wow, he didn't expect civilians uh, to know this too, basically. So a lot, of, a lot of things like that too, right? It's like when you're traveling, you know, like, YouTube ad, Facebook ads, most people have no idea how it works, right? But when you come across someone that knows it, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like we, we're at the same level of understanding, at least closer than where we were 10 seconds ago too. Yeah, and I mean, you know, once again, the same thing applies uh, with companies. If, if people know, it doesn't even have to necessarily be jargon. It could just be like a little bit about a company. You know, you're talking with someone that owns Mac and they're complaining about an issue. You're like, oh, you're a Mac owner too. And this is very uh, subconscious. It's just like, all right, we're connected. We're part of the same tribe. So by knowing, by first off, 
as a company, you should try to have those sacred words. You should try to have those things that people know. Uh, for instance, I mean, I guess with mine, it'd be, this is one of the categories I need to work on, but uh, DIY dance costume is something I'm trying to make a little bit more uh, bigger. I mean, it's already a phrase, but I'm trying to make it so it's like a more well-known thing within the dance clothing community. But there's other things like that. Yeah, one thing he talks about in All Muggers Liar is that the way you frame things with the words we're talking about also reflects on what story the customer believes. So, for example, I'm just going to throw out a few here. So, uh, file sharing versus stealing, uh, cruelty-free versus paleo, firearm safety versus banning handguns, UFO buff versus conspiracy theorist, uh, police clubs versus baton, uh, fat lady versus big woman, uh, committee versus task force like he's, like they're the same thing but they're different frames that apply to a different story based on the words you use so like you know like if you can respectfully you know target someone's worldview based on the way you frame it uh, that's the way you can get their attention too because uh, if it conflicts with them they're not going to care about it right like why would i care about someone that you know is talking about some job at a big bank like it just doesn't apply to me anymore so i'll just ignore it right so kind of things like that. Too. I guess it's very subconscious, but you have to be very careful with the words you choose too. And if you're very deliberate and know your customer stories in their head, um, you can kind of tap into that too. And I think a good way to do this is, like I said earlier, if you go on YouTube and you get like uh, shit girls say or like shit, you know, firearm nuts say or like, you know, like gun buffs say, you can get a lot of good vernacular on what people in different markets use. Uh, even if, or like those posts on BuzzFeed, like 10 ways you know you're an animal lover. And then like you look, you look at those stuff, you're like, oh, okay, this is really, really lets you get into someone's head. And then you can frame a message uh, around that too. So yeah, kind of what I'm doing too with the rebranding. But uh, anyway, that's a different topic. So number seven, the leader. So the leader, it, this actually, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but the leader is a little bit different. Usually the leader should be a person or a mascot. And the reason is, I mean, you look at tribal society, uh, we're all basically, we're, we're only a few generations removed from tribal society, but it's still deep within our DNA. So we all like some kind of a leader. And for instance, Steve Jobs uh, is a good one. I mean, if you're a Windows fan, though, then it'd be Bill Gates, uh, Betty Crocker, uh, or uh, what's her name? The, the lady that went to jail for insider trading, the blonde haired Martha Stewart, she represented a whole, before she did the insider trading, she represented like a whole demographic of people. So it's like if you can have, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a real person. It could be a mascot. Like for instance, uh, what is it? Tony the Tiger? He represented like athleticism and you know this and that. So it's like, hey, get behind this. This is what our brand represents. Where Steve Jobs obviously represented a little bit more realistically the think outside the box, like you know, black turtleneck, like I'm a artsy type person so the, the whole point of the leader is someone that you can kind of rally behind and be like yes that is the person that or that is the symbol of what i like yeah I, I guess the thing is it doesn't always have to be you in some ways like i guess it's nice to be a person but it could be like a mascot like you said tony the tiger or that parrot on fruit loops or what was that yeah. frog on smacks that cereal up there or captain crunch yeah, exactly. Well, like sports teams use mascots too, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think this leader stuff is just, I think like the leader needs a good story too in some ways. Like if you have a good story, a leader should be a part of that. Like if you just have a leader because you have a leader, it's kind of weird too, so. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Bezos with Amazon, not only did he have the story of driving across country and, you know, but he also, he's an interesting guy. It's like, all right, this is someone I can rally behind. Like I believe in this in this brand because of that. 
Yeah. Although it's funny on some forums, you hear a bunch of FBA sellers are dealing with, you know, they like it, but they hate it too. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's still a multi-billion. The, the company's yeah. working. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, even if working. there's some problems. It's exactly. But, yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. So uh, those are kind of the seven points from this book, Primal uh, Branding. If you want to go check it out. So number one, creation story. Two, the creed. Three, the icons. Four, the rituals. Five, the pagans. Six, sacred words. Seven, the leader. And I also highly recommend uh, All Marketers Are Liars too. Um, kind of one of my favorite books of all time, actually. So, yeah. Yep. One one more shout out. If you guys go to YouTube, Effective E-Commerce, going to have new videos, a bunch of new videos Sunday when this podcast comes out. And then from here on out, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there's going to be new videos out there. So check it out. Nice. So, so I guess let me ask you, since we're on the topic, we're talking about the YouTube channel. Uh, are you going to have like week, videos every week and then an email list or what's kind of your game plan for this? Have you thought about that yet? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to do an email list. The The point of the email list is going to try to bring people together like as a community. Um, but yeah, for sure, an email list. Nice, cool, cool. I look forward to it. And uh, yeah, send me the link when it's live. I can share this in this episode uh, as you're hearing this and we can check it out. So thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next time. Catch you next time.